some of us do and are dealing with uh, health problems and physical restrictions, and definitely they are in our prayers, and, and we need to remember them all the time. Some of them aren't able to be with us today because of that. Some that are here aren't feeling as good as they'd like to feel. Um, but, you know, one of the great things, and we sing the song sometimes, is world's not our home. We're just passing through and we'll still have to play around with this building, figure out the heating and cooling thing. I know when Caleb shut that off, I could tell this one picked up, so it felt better to me. <laughs> and I can tell already, for me to preach and be comfortable, I need to stand right here. So I'm going to bend me a piece so that I can come right to you. Anyway, it is uh, good to see each and every one of you. And it's great. And I'm kind of going to waste time until he gets that camera up and running since the battery wasn't there. Uh, do realize, remember, and they're over here, the schedule for the Branson Lectureship. He skipped the scripture reading. Oh, I did? Who's got yeah. scripture reading? Okay. Are you? I'll get out of the way. And the camera is going. It's I'll, going I'll just read it from here. Go okay, you're going to read it for us. <laughs> scripture reading today is 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So I'm just excited to preach. <laughs> and of course, we didn't have time to pay justice in an hour or two hours of uh, discussion, but this is one of the contexts we look at. So just so you know, this week I'm going to be in verse 8. We're going to be looking at that. And the title I gave it, Be a Man. Okay. Now, just so you know, I think this is interesting. And the Bible shows us in more than one case here and also in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, it shows us men have a short attention span because in both those contexts he gives one verse for men and several verses for instructions in women. So women have a little longer attention span, I guess. But, so next week, ooh, I got a lot cut out for me to cover uh, verses 9 through 15. We'll see how well I do with that. I might have to do a two-part sermon, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. But... Um, I look at this one and I think it's so important. He just dealt with, remember, that there's one God and one mediator. And he that he'd been appointed a preacher and a teacher to the Gentiles. And then he says, therefore, I want the men. And that's interesting because I've heard crazy discussions on all this context about what men are to be and what women are to be scripturally. And I've heard people get into, and this is always interesting, I remember a discussion a long time ago on a preacher's meeting, because people want to say uh, verse um, 8 through verse 15 only applies to worship. Well, you find worship in that context. The only two things that are mentioned in that context is prayer and teaching. So anytime there's prayer, anytime there's teaching, this context applies. But the word men is just the word for male. So we're talking to Christian males. So they don't have to be 21, or they don't have to be 40, or they don't have to be 18. If they're Christians and they're males, that's who he's talking to. Now I think the Bible makes it plain. I don't know why people miss it. And we're going to look at a few things. And you know a lot of things are just because, as Dennis mentioned in his class, because God said so. Well, I don't understand it. You don't understand it, but God said so. And people say, well, I don't think that's fair. I don't care if it's fair or not. It's right because God said so. And you know what? If I make something, let's say I build a little contraption that I'm going to do something with, and I built it, then if I want to smash it, I can smash it, right? It's mine. Now, Dennis doesn't have the right to smash my little contraption I built. 
Because it's not His. He didn't build it. Well, who's our Creator? God can do with what He wants, and He has a right to do anything with me He chooses to. I'm thankful, as Caleb mentioned in his prayer, that He loved us so much He sent His only begotten Son. I feel terrible that my sin cost the Father and the Son that, but I'm incredibly thankful. He doesn't owe me salvation. And I think the sooner we wrap our heads around that, so just because you don't think it's fair, have you ever heard this, life's not always fair? Well, I'm going to tell you what, God just tells you how it is. So I want, I want to show you a few things, and my lesson primarily today will be directed towards men, but it'll be good for the women also to hear it, because some of it will come back around. I want men to pray in every place. What place does that leave out? So that includes here when we're here? That includes my house when it's me and Tammy at home. When we're out to eat. I want men, male Christians, to pray in every place. Now people say, what about non-Christian males? This context doesn't deal with that, so why are you worried about it? This is talking about Christian males in the presence, then they're to pray in every place. And we live in a society that doesn't like that distinction between men and women. They don't like it so much that they even think two women can be married and two men can be married. And they're wrong. That's perverted. People say, well, why'd you say that, Kendall? They're perverts. That's perverted because it's opposed to God's teaching of why He made it. He made a male and female. And the two, the male and the female, can become joined together and become husband and wife. And that's the only way God ever meant for it to be. It's going to be hard in the other situation to give another instruction that he gave to that um, couple that's with, be fruitful and multiply. That takes a male and a female to do that. That's been God's plan from the beginning. And so a lot of things here, but I want you to show, show you something about the role of a man here, of what's a man supposed to be. And he deals with it more in the Christian, but look at verse 13 of the text here in First uh, Timothy chapter 2. For it was Adam who was created, who was first created. Then he talks about Eve. Huh. You know why man has, one of the reasons man has the responsibility and the position and the role to fill he does, because God made him first. And that's what he said, that's not fair. I don't care what you think. That's how God did it. That's how it works. And so it is very important to understand the way that... As a matter of fact, turn back to Genesis with me just to look at a couple things real quick about that idea of God making man first. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. I love this. Then God said, let us, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. What's that mean? Well, the only real way we're made in His image, we're given an eternal soul. We have a beginning, but our soul has no ending. God has no beginning or ending, but we're the only part of creation. Not the cat that bit Irma. It was not made in the likeness of God. So it does not have an eternal characteristic at all. It's a physical being. Only mankind. Now, we live in a society that almost acts like that's terrible for me to state that. Well, I mean, you think about it. I looked at several bit, uh, kinds of food that come in had meat products in it. So obviously, we must think they're not the same as us or you would be willing to eat humans. You'd be a cannibal. And so there's... And people don't think they're 
reasoning or lack of reasoning through very much. But he said, let us make man in our own image. And then he says this, and let them, mankind, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. First he made Adam, but he made Eve too. And he created them, and this is a strong point. It's made several times in these two verses. In his, God's own image. So certain responsibilities I have, certain roles I have to fulfill as a man is because God made me in his own image. Now if you jump on down to um, verse 31 here of Genesis 1, it says, God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. So it was very good. He made this and it was very good. Now, jump on over also here in Genesis. Um, we'll get to it in a minute. I'll get to another passage in Genesis here in a little while when we look at a passage uh, in the New Testament. But let me show you a couple things here. So, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, men, I want you to think about this. I want you to think how serious this is. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. Now this is the roles of authority, or some people might choose to call it the uh, roles or level of submission. But listen, I'll read it as it is and then we'll talk about the order. But I want you to understand. Is this understandable? What he's about to say, is it understandable? I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. Who's the head of Vernon? Christ. Who's the head of Kendall? Christ. What's that mean? Whatever Christ says, it's my responsibility to do it. He's a head. And the man is head of woman. Oh, now, some people don't mind the Christ-man thing, but... Now, let me ask you this. Did Christ take His leadership of me seriously? So, men, if He does that, and we'll go to Ephesians 5 here in a minute, if He does that and says, now I'll tell you what, you better make sure, I, I like leaders that lead from the front, not from the back. People who put everybody else at risk and they stand back here and give the order. I don't like those people. I like people Jesus, like Jesus who said, He suffered to leave us an example that we might follow. He hasn't asked us to go anywhere He hasn't already been. Men, that's the kind of leadership God wants men to be, right? He says, and he goes on and says, and God the Father is the head of Christ. So he says, you got God the Father, you got Jesus, you got man. Now I always like to point this out. Now don't get crazy about all this stuff, but let's say the man asks or instructs his wife to do something that's contrary to what God or Christ said. That boat don't flow, does it? Because you got what God says, God the Father's first, and Jesus said, I only came to give you His instruction, and then Christ, and then, and so He says, I'm telling you what, we've all got to work under that. So, you know, even think about the laws of our land, we need to abide by the laws of the land, what about when they're contrary to the laws of God? Then I can't keep them. i got to do what God says first. So we have to understand where that comes from. A passage Dennis mentioned few weeks ago anyway, Ephesians chapter 5 in this class about the church, and that is primarily what the passage is about, the church. 
But he makes a comparison between the husband and wife. So men, listen to this. For the husband, so if you're a married man, or you ever become a married man, you become a husband. Okay? And he says, a husband is the head of his wife. Yeah, do you do what I tell you? Just do what I tell you. That's not the scenario we're talking about here, is it? Now, he says the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is. Did God, did Jesus give us some instructions we're responsible to fulfill? Then would it be within that passage to say sometimes the husband's going to have to make decisions and the wife's going to have to fill it even maybe when it isn't what she wants to do? You don't have to agree with me, but that's you got to agree with God. So he says, he himself being the Savior of the body. So it says, you know, because he's going to defend and protect you. I think about that in the Bible many times that when the husband comes to defend and protect uh, his household. And that's one of the responsibilities. Savior of the body. Savior of the church. And being the head. Look on down uh, verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave them. So that's pretty big stuff, huh, man? Did Christ put my well-being above his? Christ even put my well-being and the church's well-being above his because he made sure he did what was right no matter what it cost him. So I want you to think about that. So then he goes on, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory with no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. That's a mouthful. I don't have time to preach that sermon today. But does it mean it's always enjoyable? No, but he's, he wants what's best for her. Even the church, he wants what's best for her, even when she doesn't understand it. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Hmm. So you know, you think about that. Oh, I think about other passages, but you think about that, how important it is to understand who we are and what we're to do, and how we need to show that. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, right? Do we got passage after passage that tells us how much Jesus loves us? Do we got passages like that Jesus spoke that says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? Love's the interesting thing. is It doesn't always give what's wanted. It gives what's needed. What's best. Wow. What's best. You know, I think about things. There's a lot of things I like to do. One thing I like to do, I like to assemble together with the church and worship. I like it. I like it a lot. So, you know, I think about, um, as mentioned, October is when John's going to re-up and go in for another five years. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy says he better not. <laughs> anyway, I know you look at that, and so we're going to have an opportunity. That's my privileged opportunity to be here at twelve thirty, and also, if possible, be back at five. Now, so oh man, I got to be here for every one of them times. You don't have to do nothing. God gave you free will. Do you know that? But why would I not want to? <clears throat> Now, I can understand if you're the guy leading the singing, that means you've got to get a few things ready. If you're a guy doing the preaching, you've got to get a few things ready. But pretty much if you're showing up and someone else is doing the leading, men, 
doing the leading, then those who don't, I'm telling you, man, you get all the frosting on the cake. And how important that is. What a great privilege that is. Do I understand when some people can't do things? Yeah, God understands what we can and can't do, right? He knows what that is. He knows if the cat gets after us and our daughter leaves us sitting out in the sun too long, might not be able to be here. But, you know, if you look at that, sometimes situations come up where we can't. Does God know what I can and can't do? And does God know what I want to do? Yeah, and I tell you, usually, I'm going to tell you something about Kendall, and I bet you it's true with you. Do you know most of the time I do exactly what I want to do? Not always, but usually. And so you think about that. I, I don't want to eat liver and onions, so you know how many liver and onions? I eat none, because I don't want to. Now, you give me some cantaloupe. There's some back there. <laughs> and I want to, so that's what I eat. See how that want-to thing works? God knows what I want to do spiritually too, doesn't He? Now, and I'm not going to fake Him out. He knows who I am for real. Let's look at another passage over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3. Talking about men and women and the roles of the church. Isn't it interesting? And I'll just go to this one instead of going to Titus 1. 1 Timothy 3, it says, It's a trustworthy statement. A man who aspires or desires the office of an overseer, um, well, he is one, it is a fine work he desires. And so, you notice it said, if any man. Can you have women elders? Any man. Some of these qualifications... He's got to be the husband of one wife. I know we live in a perverted society now, but only a man can be the husband of a wife. I don't care what the world says. Biblically, that's all it is. So, elders, and then you get on down to verse 8, deacons likewise must be men of dignity. So he said, this is how it is. It doesn't mean a woman can't do things, but they do different things. Okay? And I've oftentimes thought, you know, sometimes I try to figure out why God does it the way He does it. Well, one reason He does it the way He does it, I always told us, because He made man first. Okay, but I'll tell you, in looking at men and women, I know this by preaching for over 40 years, uh, a lot of times the workers that carry a bunch of the load are females. My sisters in Christ. I appreciate them greatly. But I'll tell you how I see men are many times. If their wife will do the job, they're going to sit in the recliner and let them do it. I see a lot of men like that. They'll just sit in the recliner and let their wife do the job. And the wife gets irritated because it isn't done, so she just does it anyway. But God says, no, we're not going to do it like that. This is how we're going to do it. Get out of the recliner. Because <laughs> you're going to do it. You're providing the leadership. So I think He asked men to do what's very difficult for Him, and He asked women to do What's very difficult for her when he gets into the submission part, Lord willing, next week. But we look at this, leadership, you know what I know? If you make, if you fail to plan, if you heard that has a certain outcome, then you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you don't have any direction, you're going to end up nowhere. Well, leadership is so important, and we talk about that. You think about things we've experienced ourselves. Some of it we have experienced because we didn't have this kind of leadership that he's talking about, eldership material. 
didn't have el a lot if we had elders a lot of things we do because we don't have elders and we still follow the biblical example um, we do the way the Bible teaches but you know it's kind of like the men and I've talked about this before when you're in a men's meeting if you don't have men qualified to be elders you got men who aren't qualified to make decisions they're making have you ever thought about that it's the best you got but still, that's what you got. And so he, he mentions this idea of these are who these men are supposed to be. And how important is it, men, to provide this spiritual leadership, not only in the church, not only on religious things, but how about just in your home? How important is it? Well, over in 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, it says, You husbands, likewise, in the same manner, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of grace, of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So you think about it. It says, my relationship with God, is it affected by my relationship with Tammy? If I don't... So you think about how important all that is. And I, I've told people before, and some of you have heard me say this before, I'm glad it tells me I have to deal with Tammy in an understanding way, and I'm glad it doesn't say I have to understand Tammy. <laughs> so I have to understand she's different, right? And he even mentions a weaker vessel. That's not talking about an intellect, is it? That's not talking about spiritually, is it? But are men and women made different physically? I always think about this whole thing going on in the world today, and they want everybody the same, so... That men, women, whatever else they got now. They're one. So if we just have the Olympics and we don't have any men's activities and we just have the 100 meter dash, how many women going to make the final? Not a single one. You know why? Because men. How about if we have lifting events? How's that going to work? Now, I'm not saying there's not a strange female out there every once in a while. You'd think, well, she's just pretty manly. But I'm telling you what. He says, this is the way man made us. So that's how come when I was a little boy, and I still do it from my training as a little boy from a woman who trained me, do you know I hold doors for women? Well, do I know that woman's probably strong enough to open and close the door for herself? Yeah, but because she's a woman, that demands, I was raised, that was that demands certain honor. You know, in the construction business, sometimes around guys, I get on there once in a while, uh, whoo, they use some rough language. But if there's a female present or a child present, I'll put up with none. People say, well, you should never put up with none. I get that. If you knew how often you had to get on about it. But you look at that. But I think that female, because God made her that way, that demands certain respect. And he mentions that here as husbands and wife have to remember that. So, that's how come when there's any heavy lifting, I always let Tammy do it all. No, you look at that, we just don't understand those things. We've got to show that honor. I'll show you another one I like real good, really well. I think, I think sometimes we don't always mention this one. But go over to Colossians chapter 1, a short little verse. Excuse me, Colossians 3, I said that. Colossians 3, uh, verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. But look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives 
and do not be embittered against them. Huh. Love your wife and do not be embittered against them. Wow, that's quite an instruction there, isn't it? <coughs> you got to love them and you got to be happy about them. Oh, so we got to be pleasant. Is that always easy to do, to be pleasant? You know, I tell people, and I've got a wife in here, a son in here, grandkids, I think a daughter-in-law. No, i got all those people in here. But Tammy and Caleb and my kids are at my house. Do they know me better than other people know me? Yeah, they know me in situations you don't know me. You know, I've watched people who raised a whole bunch of kids and don't have any faith in kids. It could be because the house they lived in, they saw you weren't the same as you were when you're out. I think about that. We've got to be the same all the time. And we've got to be godly. But I think about how important it is and not be embittered against them. Now let me mention another thing I think we need to mention before we go back and look at 1 Timothy 5 real quick. Uh, he says here in the passage, I want men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands. Is that literally talking about me holding my hands up? Or is it mentioned, I, I'm pure, I'm pure before you, God. Does God hear the prayers of sinners, John 9, 31? We know God does not hear the prayers of sinners. So it means if I'm going to lead in a prayer, is it important if I'm going to lead you in a prayer, while me and Tanner are going to pray, that I make sure my life's right with God? And then he also says, in the New American Standard here, it says, without wrath and dissension. I'm trying to remember uh, what all the translations read. But they, I like the idea of dissension because when people get angry sometimes, and I think some translations read with wrath and doubting. And doubting a lot of times when people doubt the Bible really means what it says, they start to bring friction and dissension to it. Wrath. Do people ever overreact and act as they shouldn't when they're angry? Wrath? I think about that. Let's look at just a couple of passages because I think it's so important for men to realize when we pray, we've got to remember our attitude, our spirit, per se, has to be right with God. But how important is this wrath and dissension? I've had time, we go back to Proverbs 6 and see that one of the things God hates is the one who causes strife among brothers. But here in Romans 16, 17, it says, And I urge you, brother, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions, there's that word again, and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned to turn away from them. So it says, yeah, you've got to pray in every place, but you can't be working out of anger all the time. You know, it's like praying, God, please... I'm going to pray for this person and I want you to bring hell, fire, and brimstone down on them to kill everyone. What? We need to be praying for their souls, right? As angry as they make us. We need to be praying for their souls. And ascension, it doesn't need to be about causing friction or strife. You know, I've listened to people pray a lot in my life. And I've listened to a lot of brethren get up and pray, and it's a prayer like I've never read in the whole Bible. I listen to a lot of people think they're praying and they're preaching. They're not thanking God for anything. They're not asking God anything. They're wanting other people to hear what they're praying because they think that person is straightened up. You show me one prayer in the New Testament ever prayed that way. You're going to have a hard time finding it. It says, when I pray, i got to think I'm addressing God and I'm not trying to correct people in my prayers. Um, we have to think about that all the time. 
Now turn with me over. Well, I won't even turn to this. We'll turn to another one in a minute. We'll turn to Ephesians 4 in a minute. You can go ahead and go there. But Galatians chapter 5, we find uh, several things. And one of the things we find is the deeds of the flesh. And you know one of the deeds of the flesh there in 5 verse 20 is dissension. Wow. And those who practice such things, terrible outcome. So it's important that we see that men pray in every place. I had a guy once, him and his wife was discussing, I guess they were arguing with me, but we were in a discussion. He says, well, I think when I'm just me and my wife at home, it's fine for her to lead the prayer. I said, yeah, what passage do you have for that? I said, well, let me give you one. Let me give you one. So it's me and Tammy at home. And you say, that's okay. Well, what about if my son's over there? Or I've got kids. I've got teenage sons. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. What if they bring one of their friends with now, And when you find it, finally draw that line, that arbitrary line, give me the verse of why you drew the line there. Either it is or it isn't in the Bible. So if all of us go, what if we show up on Sunday morning and it's only me and Tammy here? We're going to do things different? Do we still have... We still have responsibility to protect the Lord's Supper. It's just two of us. Does the man still have the responsibility to provide the spiritual leadership? How come people want to change things? And what if we weren't able to be here? And what if we were in a place like my friends who lived in McGrath, Alaska, and there was only them as Christians in McGrath, so they worshiped in their house? I don't care where you I don't care whether it's off the space or your house or under a tree. God's instructions the same everywhere. People always want to change. I said, just give me the you know, you know me, I'm the book, chapter, verse guy. Just give me the book, the chapter, and the verse that allows you to make that adjustment. I just want to read it. I pretty much got this. Men are to pray in every place. And they're to pray without having wrath and dissension. And so we mentioned that idea of wrath and dissension. That's important. Uh, you guys probably know this passage. You'll know it from this one probably. Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Is it okay to be angry? But if you're angry, what's the next part of that verse? But do not sin. That's really a quote from over in Psalm 4 and verse 4, just so you know but it's true in Ephesians 4 also. So we look at that. Just People say things that are crazy. <clears throat> Let's say sometimes I get angry and act the way I shouldn't act. And then I say, yeah, but you don't understand. Dylan made me mad. <laughs> well, first of all, Dylan doesn't get to make me mad. I can decide how I'll react to whatever Dylan does. Don't I? It's my choice. I might get mad. He would know it if I did. Okay? I might get mad. But do I get to act sinfully or incorrectly because I got mad about it? No. So you look at that. It's always my choice. It's my choice of how I act. I have free will. He never excuses that because someone else did something to me. We've got to do what the Lord would have us do anyway. So I just want to close. Oh, we're going to run out of time. So we go back here, and I want you to understand, man. It says, I want men to pray in every place. Every place where to pray. So I was taught that from my boyhood. 
going to Bible class. I can remember back. I don't remember Bible class much before second grade. Maybe I slept through first grade. I don't know. But second, third grade, I remember my Bible class teachers. Because they were Christians. Now, we're second, third graders. None of us are Christians. But those little old ladies, they weren't probably that old then. But they, when you're a third grader, they looked old. They probably, you know, at least 40, so they're older than dirty. Anyway, <laughs> when you're that age. So, so you look at that. Well, when you're a little kid in second grade, isn't 40 old? That's ancient, man. But anyway, those, those ladies would have us boys maybe lead a song. They had us boys always lead the prayers. Hmm. Why were they doing that? We're not Christians. They were training us. I have some of them little old sisters that were training us boys to do those things. Hmm. Well, now I can name a bunch of us who are in that class who are preachers and elders now. Obviously, they must have done a pretty good job of helping train some children. I think about how important that is to encourage and strengthen them. And I, I know some of the ladies in here have been really good in Bible classes sometimes, then dismissing the boys. So then the girls, because there's no boys anymore in the class, can lead a prayer or whatever. That's good because sometimes, is there things going on where women are the only ones present? Well, then who's got to pray? Well, if there's no men there, men can pray in every place they are. You know how many places I can pray that I'm not? I can't pray where I'm not. So I think about how important that is. But we need to think about that. And it's, it's right because God said so. And it's interesting that He goes back when He's showing the roles of men and women, He goes back to creation. Now I want to tell you one quick thing before we have an invitation. In my lifetime, since I was a kid, if you're older than me, you didn't have this hammered in your childhood like we did if you're my age and younger. They did everything and continue to do everything they can to discount creation. Get God out of creation. Because if you can take God out of creation, you know what? You couldn't even talk the lesson I taught this morning because He went back to creation. If you're going to talk about marriage, you've got to go back to creation. See, if you can get God out of creation, you take Him out of everything. That could be the problem we have today, right? Because for 50 years in America... The public school systems have been teaching us, nah, that was just this big bang. Every big bang I've ever heard tears things up and never puts it back together. But I'll tell you what, we need to realize that the God loves us and He sent His Son and He provided the leadership we need so that we might spend eternity on it. If you're here today and you've not obeyed the gospel and you're ready today to confess that faith in God, uh, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to encourage you to do that by sing a song. If we need to uh, have a prayer on your behalf, if we can help in any way, please come as we stand. Bring Christ your broken life.